Welcome to another episode of the Command Team Corner. Today we're talking again about COVID-19 and the vaccines to give the force an update on what our commander and surgeon are seeing regarding the pandemic and our path back to normalcy. We have with us today Major General John Brennan, the commander of First Special Forces Command, Colonel Jamie Reesberg, our command surgeon, Lieutenant Colonel Ryan Schlosser, our current operations division chief, and Lieutenant Colonel Eric Johnson, our former G9 who is studying disinformation as a fellow at New America's Future of War Project. So let's get to the show. All right, gentlemen, thanks for joining us for another episode of the Command Team Corner. Uh, sir, while the COVID situation and guidance does continue to change as the virus changes and continues to spread globally, we have seen some recent alignment from CDC on down to the USOC level recently with respect to vaccines and ROM that may change some of the decision calculus on uh, whether soldiers decide to get the vaccine. What are some of the developments uh, that you're seeing? What I've seen, I've been traveling to Europe and other places out there, and and what you're seeing is the areas where not a lot of people are getting vaccinated, you're starting to see the spikes in infection rates. So if there's any doubt that the vaccine is effective in your head, that should be dispelled. And we just talked about mis- and disinformation about the vaccine. So just to be clear, there's a lot of mis- and disinformation out there in the social media, et cetera, and in different media outlets that is being promulgated by China, Russia, and others who wish to discredit our vaccination efforts. So no secret, China wants to be the global dominant power. And a way to do that is to discredit everything that we do and make their stuff look really good. Well, the actual truth is it's the exact opposite. So Sinovac's not so effective compared to ours. And our partners that get it definitely want our stuff. So they want Pfizer, Moderna, AstraZeneca and Johnson & Johnson. But at the end of the day, we're not producing enough to vaccinate every American plus a lot of our partners out there. I think that time will come, but we're not there yet. And as far as the restrictions, you're starting to see lesser restrictions for those who are already vaccinated. And it varies by post. Fort Bragg, for example, you can go to the gym without a a mask on. You can go to the chow hall and dine inside the chow hall. And you're starting to see that at the the macro level across some of the GCCs that have dropped their ROM requirements so that you don't have to quarantine before and after deployments to certain theaters. So at the end of the day, I think we won't get to herd immunity if enough people do not um, take the vaccine. And on the horizon, we're looking at FDA approval for Pfizer and Moderna here probably by the end of the summer. And when that happens, uh, DOD will likely make it a mandatory vaccination, just like cholera, yellow fever, et cetera. It's coming. What we're seeing with that is, again, our adversaries will play upon that because the misinformation is already out there. So even though commanders can now make it mandatory to do it, that stigma exists still that, you know, it's going to be bad for them. And we've seen this all fall. We've seen it all winter. And it will continue even once it gets FDA certified. So soldiers already have this in their head that there's a problem with it. And commanders are going to have to get educated on to be able to dispel that mis- and disinformation. Right. So it goes back to what we talked about, about digital literacy. And understanding where they heard that and why they have this belief now, even though it's going to become mandatory. Okay, well, sir, that's a good transition to Colonel Reesberg. Sir, what is the COVID landscape right now? and Where do we stand with vaccine safety and effectiveness? Okay, so first off, I think it's important to note that as of today, uh, we have 135 million Americans that have received at least one dose and 89 million fully vaccinated. Throughout that process, the FDA and ACIP, the Advisory Council on Immunization Practices, has been watching very closely how the safety of the vaccine has played out over time. And the good news is they catch even the slightest little blip, as we've all seen with Johnson & Johnson. 
Now, an interesting factoid on that is you look at there was a pause on Johnson and Johnson and the news media really captured this. But unfortunately, the science did not support that. And so, in fact, CDC met today with ACIP, that council, and they're going to render a decision to probably restart Johnson & Johnson vaccine because that safety is still so good. We were talking six incidents of blood clots out of, what, 7 million? 7 million doses administered. Okay, so to put that in perspective, here's the real science on that. So the condition that those patients had was something called central venous sinus thrombosis, which is a blood clot in the central vein of the brain. The natural background incidence of that type of condition is about 0.22 per 100,000 people. So 0.22, that's the natural occurrence of that. With Johnson & Johnson, guess what those numbers, that 6 per 7 million adds up to about a 0.1 per 100,000 incidence of clot. So in fact, if you receive the vaccine, you have a less chance of getting than just anybody in the population writ large uh, when you just look at those incidence rates. So, but... I drive that point home to state how the tremendous scrutiny on these vaccines should reassure people that not only are they safe, but that they're being watched very closely for any kind of untoward or adverse events. And we're now eight months into this, you know, with broader population getting the vaccine. And guess what we're seeing? The bad news is we have people that were infected with COVID eight months ago. Of that cohort, big study, thousands of patients, most of them healthcare workers, 15% were still having symptoms from their COVID eight months after their primary infection. That can be things like fatigue, exercise intolerance, memory issues, the classic brain fog. We know the virus affects the brain in ways that we haven't even fully elucidated yet. So when people tell me, why do I need a vaccine against something that doesn't really, it just goes away and I'm young and healthy. The risks aren't that much. Well, when you look at those studies that show 15% of young, healthy people still having effects eight months after their infection, that tells me vaccine's a far better choice than getting a natural infection. Okay. No, sir, I, I appreciate it. Let's go to Lieutenant Colonel Schlosser as the G33. Your office tracks the latest guidance with ROM, restriction of movement, and quarantine requirements. What trends are you seeing? And what can you tell us about how the vaccines are affecting your ability to operate or our ability to operate around the world? Right. So what we're seeing right now is is for fully vaccinated individuals that DOD is starting to lift ROM restrictions. So for instance, DOD recently published new force health protection guidance, which effectively lifts restriction movement requirements, both CONUS and OCONUS for fully vaccinated individuals, with the caveat that host nations may uh, have more restrictive measures. And also USOC FRAGO 6 is in line and echoes that guidance. So, for example, here CONUS, SWIC has complied with this guidance for immediate starts for all CONUS-based students. So CONUS-based students no longer need to test, no longer need to uh, go into ROM. And then for our OCONUS-based students going into SWIC, they only require a three-day ROM with a negative PCR test. OCONUS, um, we've already seen CENTCOM has lifted ROM requirements. AFRICOM has officially announced they're doing the same. They're waiting for the, the FRAGO to come out. And then this, just this morning, we heard UCOM is going to also lift ROM requirements in the near future for fully vaccinated individuals. Additionally, that fourth health protection guidance also struck the language in line with the CDC saying that fully vaccinated individuals only last for 90 days. So that's no longer a thing. So once you're vaccinated, uh, dose two, you are two weeks for full efficacy against uh, the virus. And then right now it's in depth in terms of how long 
that vaccine is effective. Additionally, um, we're seeing multiple host nations lift ROM requirements for fully vaccinated individuals. Again, going to the CENCOM AOR, 90% of the countries that we deploy to in the CENCOM AOR no longer require ROM for fully vaccinated individuals as long as you show your vaccine card. And we're seeing the same trend across the globe from Sri Lanka to Guatemala. Operationally, this is a definitely a welcome sign. It's not needing ROM saves us time and money and allows our teams to focus on training and readiness. For example, over the past year, we've had to cancel multiple J sets. Or, for example, a team would have to go into ROM for 10 to 14 days, execute their J set, maybe 30 days, and then return and go into ROM as well. And so you're, you're looking at burning almost 30 days just in ROM, and that, that affects training. Also, you know, fully vaccinated RSOF teams reassure our partner forces and the host nation government officials when we deploy. The host nation knows we are not responsible for spreading the virus and we will not be another potential body, you know, filling up a, a hospital bed uh, in some of these countries. Right. And we're setting a good example, right? And it's doing the right thing. Absolutely. Go into those countries. Absolutely. And sir, you brought up a good point about uh, there's no more 90 day limit on the, if, if you're vaccinated, because you, you mentioned that because Colonel Reesburg, I'm sure because we're starting to see evidence as vaccines uh, get longer and longer and longer in folks' arms, we're starting to see that it is continuing to be uh, effective, right? And that's why they would have lifted that 90-day limit. Yeah, that's right. And, to, and this was something we were dreading in the military medical community because, gosh, we were thinking we're going to have to do a shot X every three months. But that is not the case. And in fact, what we're finding now is now we've got good data to show six months out from your vaccine, you're still just as protected. So the immunity doesn't seem to be waning. Um, and that's great news for us operationally, because that means you get a shot for the season and you're you're now operationally flexible to deploy where you need to and conduct a worldwide mission. So one more thing I wanted to ask you about vaccines and, and COVID in general. We started, we, you know, we have heard so much about variants and whether, you know, we're not, it's kind of up in the air in some people's minds about whether they're going to work for the, you know, if I get the vaccine, there still might be these variants. Can you speak a little bit about the variants and the vaccine effects on? Yeah. So first, it's important for people to understand there's thousands of variants uh, of coronavirus. It's a virus that spreads and mutates rapidly. But really, right now, we're tracking four, now five variants of concern, what we call VOCs. Those variants of concern are, are concerning because they're either more infectious or they have more severe symptoms associated with them. The good news is we're finding that both for Pfizer and Moderna, our predominant vaccines in the DOD, they have excellent effect against any of the new variants. There was some concern with the Brazil P1 variant that we were going to have some breakthrough, but that's not bearing out. In fact, we're finding the immunity that these mRNA vaccines give you, the ones that the DOD is using, is fairly robust. Now, that said, nothing's perfect, right? We never said any of these vaccines are 100%. So I think it's important to acknowledge that to people because that's a big part of the misinformation. People glom on to, for example, there was a news media hit that said 6,000 people had gotten breakthrough coronavirus despite being fully vaccinated. That's fine until you look at those numbers on the global scale, right? So that represents a 0.0005% infection rate in the fully vaccinated population. I'd take those odds any day and go to Vegas. In other words, put that in terms, you're more likely to die in a plane crash than you are to be fully vaccinated and then get severe COVID symptoms. So what all of that tells me is that as the variants, we're going to continue to see mutations. This is a dynamic process. The science will continue to study those variants of concerns. But looking at it from the perspective I'm seeing now, tremendous data coming in. Uh, CDC released a study just this morning that studied uh, nursing home. And they had a new variant that broke out there called R1 variant. They found out among the vaccinated population 
versus the unvaccinated in that nursing home, three to four times more likely to catch COVID if you were unvaccinated. So three to four times more likely to catch it and then continue to transmit it. Um, so if we ever want to get out of this thing and stop wearing masks and be able to go out in public, please consider getting vaccinated. Um, we didn't talk about how that vaccine was actually tested. We had some we had obviously some breakthrough science to get the vaccine so fast. But the testing regimen, can you talk a little bit about that, Doc? Yeah, a little bit, sir. So Operation Warp Speed, there was there was some concern. We addressed this on our last podcast a little bit that there was fear because we had gone so fast that we that we sped up the science. And and what I tell people now is, no, the science wasn't sped up. The administrative obstacles were removed. So in other words, General Perna and the Operation Warp Speed Task Force were given special permissions and approvals to get through bureaucratic processes faster. They were at the top of the stack, right? Top national priority. But the science was never sped up. It couldn't be because it takes months to look at the effect of the vaccine. So in both of the mRNA vaccines, over 30,000 patients were studied over a period of over four months to look at how they did initially and then and then followed. Here's the really exciting news about that. We're still keeping track of those initial 30,000 people one year out from their initial study. And we have not seen any untoward long-term effects from the vaccine. So again, unprecedented in vaccine history. I think that's a point people need to take home. This is absolutely the safest vaccine humankind has ever produced at least as we sit now, one year out, looking back at the data we've, we've accumulated. And again, 180 uh, million doses in the U.S. right now. So again, those numbers tell me massive number of people. We're watching it like a hawk. Um, the safety, safety profile is good. If you're one of those people that were kind of like, ah, I'm just going to wait to see what happens with this thing, make sure you know nobody's growing any extra arms or anything. Probably time, like 180 million is, you know, got it. So it's we're probably okay. Absolutely. And again, you'll see stuff on the news media about other countries. And this goes back to the point that Colonel Johnson and General Brennan were making. And so I would caution people, be good consumers of the science. When you look at what's going on in India right now, what was the vaccine they were using? And what percentage of the population got that? And, and it goes exactly with what General Brennan said. Very low vaccination rates. They completely relaxed all their social distancing measures. And India has now broken a world record for two days in a row with over 300,000 cases a day. All because, again, poor vaccine uh, buy-in and utilization and reducing their social measures too early. And it's very, again, it's a very personal decision on whether you decide to get the vaccine or not, but we just want to make sure everyone makes it an informed decision that's based on facts and not um, what you read on social media, because it may or may not be placed there by a credible source. And we've been through this kind of before. Uh, I was a private, and it was a young lieutenant getting an anthrax shot. 1990, and nobody was sure then if it was worth doing. But again, it took education, leadership, and real facts to, to make that feel yeah. better be the same thing now. It's interesting, too. I don't know if uh, misinformation, disinformation uh, sort of targets special populations, but one we've seen a lot of anti-vax movement among is our childbearing uh, female population. There have been a lot of questions about how does the vaccine impact my pregnancy and even breastfeeding, so family planning concerns. Man, in the last four weeks, I want to say there have been multiple studies released, and, and these are mainstream Journal of the American Medical Association, New England Journal of Medicine, all available. We can post those in the show notes, showing not only is the vaccine safe in pregnancy, um, and thousands of pregnant women studied now with both doses throughout their pregnancy, but the mom passes on COVID antibodies to her newborn baby, protecting the baby as well. Same effect also with breastfeeding. 
uh, it protects the baby as well. So mom can pass on those protective antibodies that she builds as a result of vaccination. Great news. And again, great safety record we're seeing among that specific population. I did not represent well Colonel Ford. You know, he didn't stay for this one. But I, you know, the discussion that we were having before is commanders are well within their authority as commanders to make a decision based on risk uh, as to whether folks that are unvaccinated can then either go, you know, go on a mission and go on a J set, be with mm-hmm. a partner, go to a training event, risk-based decision. So we do want to reiterate that commanders, it, it is a personal choice to get the vaccine, but commanders also have responsibility and authority to then make decisions based on vaccines. So. And we can't do our job if we're sick with COVID or stuck in ROM. So it, it behooves us to be able to do our job to get vaccinated. This has been another episode of the Command Team Corner. If you have topics you'd like to see addressed by the Command Team, let us know on the Commander's Blog located on the First Special Forces Command Portal page or send us a message on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. Thanks for listening.